Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits this week. It's Lisa Tarmati, your host, and today I have a fantastic guest. His name is Andy Neary, and he is sitting in Colorado in the United States. Recently, I was on his uh, podcast, The Bullpen Sessions, and Andy Neary is a uh, ex uh, baseball major league baseball player and Ironman athlete and now business coach and executive coach so he's fantastic at mindset he's all about the mental game so we have a really really interesting conversation together and I hope you enjoy the show uh, before we head over to Andy just wanted to remind you of a couple of things um, every week we are holding another webinar either in epigenetics or for our running pro- uh, coaching program so we have a running masterclass that we're that we're holding every second week. You can join that. It's a free masterclass, everything to do about running, how to run faster, stronger, longer without burnout and injuries. And you can register for that free at runninghotcoaching.com forward slash webinar. The other webinar that we hold every second week is our epigenetics health program. Now, this is all about your genes and how they express and how to optimize your genes for your uh, lifestyle and your goals. You can register for that one free at lisatarmity.com forward slash epigenetics. Okay, lisatarmity.com forward slash genetics, epigenetics. I'll put the uh, links in the show notes. Um, And reminder too, you might enjoy my book, Relentless, which has just come out recently, the story of how a mother and daughter defied the odds. Um, I'd really love you to pick up a copy if you haven't already, uh, or check out my other two books, Running Hot and Running to Extremes, if you love running adventures. Okay, right. Now, over to the show. And of course, we do appreciate any ratings and reviews. So if you enjoy the show, let me know. Write to us. You can email the podcast at support at lisatarmity.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That would be super appreciated. Thanks, guys. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the show again. Today, I have a wonderful guest, Andy Neary, who's sitting in Colorado. How are you doing, Andy? Awesome, Lisa. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, I had the privilege of being on Andy's podcast not so long ago, the Bullpen Sessions, and Andy's agreed to come on my show because we had such a good time on there. Um, now, Andy, can you give us, like, you are um, an ex-major league ba- uh, baseball player. I was going to call yeah. you a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> You're a baseball uh, player and an Ironman athlete and a, a business coach now. So, um, uh, firstly, I want to ask you, um, baseball. I mean, we all know about American baseball. You know, we watch it on the telly, and it's you know, it's really really cool. What's it like to actually be in the stadium, actually at the pitcher's mound? It, it, you know, you at the pitcher's yeah. Mound. You know, it's it's uh, interesting you bring that up because in baseball, the pitcher is the one person I would say that's truly in the spotlight, right? Because yeah. when you're on the mound, you got that ball in your hand. The game can literally not move forward until you throw the ball. Yeah. And everybody's watching you. And I actually think one of the lessons I didn't know back then when I was playing, but I definitely look back now and get it. Yep. Is uh, as a pitcher, you have to be able to tune out that noise. Yep. Because you have got some, in some cases, some of the nastiest things being said about you while you are on the mound and you've got to be able to just tune that all out and 
be laser focused on the catcher's mitt and do your job. Wow. And I think there's a, there's a business lesson that's applied there, right? Like there's so much noise today because we have social media, we have all this stuff out there and you have just got to tune all the noise out and be focused on, on what you're trying to accomplish. Do that thing. And how do you, like, how do you cope with, you know, professional sports, we all know uh, more aware today of how much pressure the people are under, you know, like to perform at, at highest, highest level. And like you said, you're, you're often being insulted. You've got people yelling horrible things at you. And I know like in the rugby world here that that happens and stuff uh, and, and other sports as well. What is it? I'm, I'm personally not experienced that side of things because yep. I do is sort of in the middle of the freaking Sahara somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no stadiums full of people cheering you or either, um, but what is that like to have that intimidating that that those horrible things? Like, do you have to grow a bit of, bit of a, 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 a thick skin? You know, I think one of the best things I learned again didn't know back then is sports is eighty percent mindset, twenty percent skill. Yeah, and I think you and I being in in the sports we were in, mm-hmm. it was the same kind of noise but coming from different places. My noise I had to tune out was coming from the, the crowd. Your noise was coming from the, the stuff six inches between your ears, right? <laughs> and um, That's the worst insults you've ever heard. It's coming, <laughs> it's coming from yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know that back then. And I heard a, a, an NHL hockey player say that on a podcast once, that sports is, you ask the best athletes out there. They will all tell you it's 80% mindset, 20% skill. Yeah. And which means, think about this, if, we go and practice for an hour, little on skill, right? We should probably practice four hours on our mind. Wow. And I think, I think the best athletes recognize that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have that back then. And I think that's probably one of the hardest lessons I've learned that's helped me today, but it hurt me back then was I just, my mindset was my worst enemy when I was playing pro baseball. Wow. And yet you, you achieved something quite incredible because, I mean, number one, to get into the major league uh, is, is a big deal. Like there's yep. a, lot, a lot of competition for this sort of thing. And then you're not your average size pitcher. Like you're <laughs> a smaller, smaller stature. Um, how the hell did you overcome, you know, that sort of thing when you're, you're competing against much bigger, more say powerful athletes with bigger muscles? Bigger I size. didn't think about, I didn't think about it. And it's, I'm so glad you brought this up because earlier you just, you almost called me a professional basketball player. And I'm like, people saw me five, nine, you'd be like, Oh no, this guy does not play basketball. Um, but yes, I was an undersized pitcher. So if you have a lot of, you know, people maybe from New Zealand listening in here in, in American baseball, the average size for a pitcher playing at the major league level is about six, three. Wow. I was five, nine. Yeah. And to answer your question, Lisa, in high school and college, I didn't think about it. I just, I just focused on the task at hand. I focused on making myself the best I could be off the field so I could perform at my best on it. And the daily habits, the mindset, all that was what led me to have the opportunity to play at the highest level. The problem was when I got there, that's when I started thinking about it. Saying, oh, who am I to be here? I'm five foot nine. Yeah, I don't have no chance of making it all the way because the average pitcher is six foot three. I don't have the right height. I don't throw hard enough. I wasn't a high enough draft pick. Yeah. All that stuff started filtering into my head. It wasn't there in high school and college. And I just saw myself as average. And that's what my performance showed. Wow. And that's when it became a struggle from at that point. Exactly. Yeah, and and, um, and I can t- totally relate to this because um, you know, ultra running, doing doing running. Um, I was an asthmatic. 
I do not have the body of a of a runner. I am I'm very muscular in build. Um, and firstly, I failed in gymnastics when I was a young girl because I grew too tall. So I'm five eight, so, so too tall for gymnastics. Um, and and I was very you know athletic, and I was uh, a young woman, uh, which was not allowed when you're a <laughs> when you're a gymnast. Thick <laughs> figure, a tiny wee little yes. thing, right? So and already at 12, 13 years old, you've got this you are not okay message all the time coming at you. And then when you went into running, once again, I didn't have a runner's body and I didn't have any speed because my lungs weren't the greatest. Um, but I did have a really strong mindset when it came to the hours and hours of training, when it came to the pushing through the barriers and the actual races. And where I found that I could do things was that I could go way longer than most people and I could push myself to places that most people don't want to go to. And that became my strength, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and not letting the fact that you've not got, you know, really long legs and really really light and a big lung capacity, or in your case, you're not six foot three, um, not letting that stop you chasing your dreams. Um, so so how, you, you started to struggle once you actually got into the major leagues. Uh, what happened then? Like, did you lose the position? Did you start to, you know? Yeah. So what happened was uh, this is if I don't if, I don't know what the, if they refer to it this way in the uh, in New Zealand, but when you get let go or you're cut, they, yeah. you get the pink slip. Oh. And in baseball, pro baseball, that's literally what happens. You show up one morning, and in your locker is literally a pink slip hanging there, and it's awkward because everybody knows what's happened. Oh. Right. All your teammates see that. And so you take your playbook, you go down to the uh, person, it's called the director of player personnel. Yep. And they basically let you know, they're letting you go. They thank you for your time. Wow. And here's the thing. Really? So pro baseball career didn't last very long. The problem was that same, I took that same mindset into my early business career, Lisa, because yeah. the comparison, number one, comparison. And when you're playing sports, you'll know this, right? We are literally compared to our peers by stats. Yeah. Yours was a time, a finish time. Yeah. Mine was earned run average, wins, losses, strikeouts. That can play with your mind big time if you are constantly being compared. Number two, you're being judged. You're, you're fearing, you, you fear that failure in pro ball that, oh my God, I could, I could be let go at any time. And that's what happened in my early business career. I let all those, those mindset limitations impact my early career in insurance where I would put pressure on every single win. Therefore, my mind was focused on lack, fear, loss. Yeah. And I sucked. I mean, I, in the insurance world, as a sales professional, I was terrible because of the line, the, because of the mindset limitations. Yeah. And I think you just said something that that kind of brought clarity to me today. Actually, in sports, you can think you can just outwork people, right? I'm just going to practice harder than you. I'm just going to practice longer than you. But at some point, you can't, and it's got to be about the mindset. Yeah. And I think what I discovered in business is no matter how long I work. I can outwork the competition as much as I want, but if the mindset never changes, I'm going to get the same result. Wow. That's really insightful, isn't it? That's that 80% mindset, 20% skill, right? Yeah. Once again, but it's an applied in a different way that you don't often think, you know, because 
I mean, you and I both run our own businesses, and it's you know there's there's big challenges in that. <laughs> Let everybody know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it ain't easy, I tell you. Uh, and and every day you've got new challenges and things that you have to um, to learn. And one of the things that I find hard in in in, in my businesses is the having to wear so many hats and having to do things that you're at where your core skill is, is not at. Um, and we're at a stage where you have to grow, so you want to be focusing on the things that you're good at and giving you know, stuff away that you're not so good at. Um, but in that, that, that awkward, I, I, I sort of see myself in that awkward teenage stage in business where you're like <laughs> still having to wear most of the hats, still juggling a thousand jobs, uh, but knowing where your skill set really lies and where your interest really lies, um, but having to do the, the shitty, yucky stuff at the same time that you're not good at, not, not talented at. Where do you think the mindset that we, the stuff that we have learned can help us in, in this sort of situation. Oh. I mean, something that I'm asking myself right now. <laughs> I mean, Lisa, where do I start? Right? Like think about one of your long races, like what you do. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. You're insane. <laughs> and, 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 and people will tell me I was insane for doing Ironman. Yeah, exactly. In one of your races, how many times do you think you fail? Oh, in my head, I'm, I fail quite often. Um, you know, like, in, uh, put it this way, there's this constant battle, and I call them like the, the, the lion and the snake. And the lion's, you know, come on, keep going, you can do it, blah, blah, blah. And the snake's just getting louder and louder, and he's telling you, you're, you're exhausted, you can't do this, who the hell do you think you are? You're not good enough. You know, why don't you just take a five-minute break? Why don't you just sit down for a minute? All of these thoughts. And as the race goes on and your exhaustion levels increase, 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 and your your willpower starts to dwindle, dwindle, dwindle from the sleep fatigue, from all these other things, the, the low blood sugars, all of the things, problems that you've got, the freezing, the the, the huge heat, whatever, um, then that, that snake's voice gets really, really freaking loud. And then it comes down to, can I take one more step? One. Like you're not even down to the next bloody 100 metres, you're down to a couple of metres like a, yeah, uh, you know, like yeah. uh, to keep going. And so there's this constant win-lose situation going on. And it, it, the, the person who, who succeeds is the one who can keep the, the, the lion's voice stronger in their head overall. And that's understanding your why. That's understanding what the hell you're doing out there and why you're doing it. Because you see, if you start the question, well, there's no point, and what's the point, and it's only a silly race, and nobody really cares, and you know, all of these excuses or these reasons to stop, then you're gonna you're gonna lose that battle. And 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 using ultra endurance running, you just described entrepreneurship, yes. right? Because we're failing all the time. The one up until literally 18 months ago, I had been again. I don't know if there's a difference in New Zealand, but a W two employee in the states, meaning I worked for somebody else, they paid me a check, a paycheck. Yep. The last one, number one lesson I had to learn is that there's going to be a ton of failure, learn to love it and use it to adapt and pivot and tweak. The other thing people don't get about this entrepreneurship thing, because I think people think it's so cool these days. Yep. Most of your time is doing the shitty stuff. You don't want to do. <laughs> like you said, and here's the best analogy. How long have you been uh, ultra endurance racing? 
Uh, I did, my career spanned nearly 25 years. 25 years. For me, it may have seemed like I was an overnight success because a five foot nine pitcher made it to pro baseball at age 21. Yeah, wow. I started playing baseball at four. Wow, yeah. That's yeah. a 17 year journey. Yeah. You were in ultra endurance running for 25 years. Were you really good at eight, at yeah, year two, like you were in year 20 or 21? No, I didn't have the experience. I probably had more energy. <laughs> exactly. Young. And so the point is, when it comes to business, running a business, you're not going to be an overnight success. No one's going to be the next Uber. Yeah. Not many. But it, yeah. it, it, is, it, is a, it is a long game and you have to be patient. Yeah. Like you just said, you and I are infants in business right now. <laughs> and, but we're going to be pretty damn amazing in the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that patience and that willingness to keep going. Yeah, and that is the long-term view. And it is the, it is the, the, the thousands of hours that you, of training, basically, the, the, uh, that we're using as this analogy. The thousands of hours of training that you put into the skill, your sport, now you're putting into your business and you're having times where you win the game and you're having times when you lose the game. And it's, this comes to a point where it's all about resilience. And resilience, I think, is one of my favorite words on the planet. That's your superpower. <laughs> That's my superpower. Your superpower, many, many athletes' superpower, is when they get knocked down, they, they may be crying, they may be on the floor, they may be like not knowing what the hell to do, but come the next morning, come the sun rising, they'll get up and they'll go and train again and they'll fight again and they'll work again. And that resilience is, is key in everything in life. And another one of my favorite words, which is the title of my new book, is Relentless. So you just keep going, no matter whether you're seeing success or not. And sometimes that's counterintuitive, especially in business. And I have to caveat this, that sometimes you have to know when to quit because there is sometimes, um, uh, if you are, and I've experienced this as a, as a business person too, where I've gone and flogged a dead horse to death because I just don't give up. And sometimes there comes a point where actually your energy would be better spent somewhere else, but that's a pivot. That's not a giving up in my eyes. That's just changing because, okay, I'm seeing this isn't working and the you know definition of insanity is keep doing this, the stuff that's not working. So I'm not telling you to keep doing the stuff that's not working, but what I am telling you is to keep doing, keep, keep getting up and being relentless, you know, uh, and I think re resilience and relentlessness are two, two words that we should keep foremost in our head. Well, you're, and you're absolutely correct because again, you're, the sport you were in is such a great analogy because I got to believe there were some races where you didn't see the finish line in sight for miles. And there was a point where you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like I'm getting nowhere here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now just again, relate that to business right now for people. A perfect example is social media. You need to be on social media today to grow your business yeah. because you need to be top, top of mind and you need to be out there. But when you first start posting, guess what's going to happen? Nobody's going to comment. Nobody's going to like your stuff. <laughs> Crickets. So you're like, what am I doing? There's no point in doing this. Yeah. It's that resilience, that relentlessness to go, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing this day after day after day because if I keep doing that, eventually I am going to have an audience. Eventually there are going to be people engaging, listening, and watching. And it's that ability to keep going when everything is telling you right now, just give up. Yeah, and this is so important. Like in this like COVID situation that the world is in, so many businesses are going under. So many people's livelihoods are, are crashing. Um, I know my I've been hit really hard this year. 
Um, so I have choices now. <clears throat> like I have to be ready for the next opportunity. I need to be looking outside the box because the box just changed, you know, the box that I was working and operating in. And, and this is for many, many people, has completely shifted. Um, a, a big part of my stuff is, is doing speaking, both in New Zealand and overseas, um, and that suddenly stopped. Kaput, you know. And so what do you do? You, start, you, you cry about it? Well, maybe for five minutes, yeah. Uh, you've just, you know, <laughs> this is going to be a hard year or whatever, but then you're like, okay, well, what else is there? And, you know, and hopefully you haven't put all your eggs in one basket. That's another thing that I think is really important is a little bit of um, what is my what is my backup plan? Is there something else I can do? Is there a skill set that I can develop for when things go custard or you start to pivot really quickly? And I think the ones that are going to survive this mess that we're in, uh, the people who can diversify when they really need to and who can shift and pivot and go, okay, that income stream's just been chopped, right, we're going in this direction. That's exactly it. The ability to pivot now is one of the greatest, talk about superpowers, that's one of the greatest abilities you can have as a business these days. The ones that are able to pivot and not cry in their Cheerios, yes. because guess what? No one cares you're in a bad spot because they're all dealing with their own crap too. Yes, yeah. So no, one, no one's going to carry your whining. So yeah. get over it. Think about what you do. You need to do to pivot. Here's a class. Let me give you a classic example. I spoke, I speak a lot too, right? So you and I probably had some speaking income get crushed yep. come, come March and April. Oh yeah. I got a call from a, I'll never forget this. I got a call from a business colleague of mine who was my speaking coach actually. And he called me one day, this was like late April. And I thought he was going to give me some coaching tips. <laughs> he was like stone cold wow. because the guy makes six figures speaking yep. and it just went to hell overnight. Yep. yep. And he's like, Andy, I don't know what to do. Like I need a pivot. I don't know where to pivot. And what happened out of a couple collaborations between each other over zoom chats is we developed a leadership workshop. Wow. That's, that's brilliant. Built around communication on virtually. What's your brand? How do you want your team to see you? and time management and daily habits. And it's turned into a beautiful program that fits the needs of people today. And so that was a great learning lesson to your point of we can sit here and cry when stuff goes south because all of this was out of our control. Yeah, yeah. But what are you doing to adapt? Because if you have the right mindset and you adapt the right way, you can actually create something even better. Yep. And then you've got something, and we've done exactly the same thing. Yeah, you know, with, uh, with our businesses, we've um, we were already doing uh, online run coaching, which we yep. do, and we train athletes all around the world. And that was uh, luckily, you know, in the online space anyway. Yeah, we lost all our races, all our athletes lost their races, and they were all like, ah, and a lot of them crashed. So we had to build in a lot more into the mindset piece of the equation yep. because they needed more support. Well, how do I keep myself motivated when my goal just disappeared, you know, and that is yeah. a tough one for them. Uh, so you, you, we adapted our programs and we have developed other corporate programs for epigenetics and so on. Um, and then this is a classic example. And those are not all overnight successes either. It's what you've got to remember, like there is still going to be a time lag when you're building something up and then you've got to get out there and market it. 
and then you've got to actually make things happen and then, you know, carry on. And so all of these are lessons are basically what we're, you know, saying here today, people, is just opening up, this is this is who we are, this is, yeah. this is the shit that we're going through. And I bet you've got a lot of people listening to this are going through this in some way, shape or form. And, and that's why it's important that we have these honest conversations, you know, uh, it's, it's not easy in all of this mindset stuff that we teach is not like we don't like your, your speaking coach, you know, we're not, we're not finished with our development. You know, I had a, I've had a, a hard week with my husband. We've just shifted into a new house. I lost my dad recently. My life's just turned upside down. Um, you know, you have your moments where you're sitting there with your glass of wine, one too many, and going, oh, my God, no. <laughs> Where to next? You know, the world just keeps hitting you, and none of us are immune to that. But I do know that when I get up the next morning and I, you know, sit down to do my work, I'm there. And, yeah. I, I, you know, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll bring full power to the table again because I have to. And well, and one of the best things, Lisa, I've ever, one of the best mindset shifts I've made with my business is having that mindset of the athlete that every day that you get to play this game called business, it's a game. <laughs> and you could get your ass kicked today. <laughs> but guess what? You get to go to bed, you get to wake up, and you get to play it all over again. Yeah. Basically. And that's that. No, no, there's no team in Major League Baseball that's gone 162 and all. There is no race uh, runner in ultra endurance racing that has won every race they have ever competed in. No, no. But just getting that ability to get back up and play the game the next day, that's all that counts. That's all that counts. And that is that, is that resilience that we're talking about. And, you know, this, I wish they'd teach this stuff in school. <laughs> yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Teach me how to balance my checkbook, change my oil in my car. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't need to know about European literature. I'm sorry. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. But you're right. A course on mindset in high school these days might be the most important thing a school could ever do. Yeah. And, and just teaching people to, because I, I see, I mean, I'm a bit older than you, but, um, the generation that I came through and we did get our knocks, life was a little bit harder, you know, physically harder and, you know, you, um, everything wasn't quite so PC and you, you took your knocks, you know, you took your knocks when you were young and that, I think, taught you to be able to cope with the stuff as it came through Absolutely. life. And, and then, so you, um, what worries me today with with many kids is that you know they get stars for participation and they you know eighth place trophies. Yes, exactly. Um, all of that sort of thing, which is teaching them that they are the the the, the centre of attention for starters, that the world revolves around them, and that they're going to be rewarded just for being there, and that those things are not going to happen when they hit the real world and when then the first thing that comes along and hits them in the face, that kid's down and down for the count often, you know, and they don't, they don't know how to bounce back and then they're lost. And some of these kids then get lost to, you know, suicide or mental illness or well, drugs. And I think, I think with what's happened this year, and again, I don't know if it's the same in New Zealand as it might be here in the States, but millennials and, and Gen, Gen Z, right. Yeah. They have never felt what it was like to lose. Because like in the, in the States, up until this year, we've had like the 12 greatest years of prosperity ever. Wow. So the last time we had it rough, they weren't even adults. Yep. 
And so they don't, they, up until this year, they didn't even know what failure was and their parents didn't let them fail. Sports didn't let them fail. And all of a sudden 2020 punched them in the face. Yeah. And that, that those two generations right now, I think are feeling that impact the most. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we, we definitely all are in that, in that respect too. I think this, the, the situation that the world finds itself in, I mean, we, we've been very lucky down here because we had good leadership early on and they, they shut it down. So we haven't been a, a, as hard hit as you guys as far as, you know, the death toll and the number of people sick, thank goodness, and, and you know, touch wood. Um, but it has shaken us all. It's shaken us all deeply, I think, and there's going to be a heck of a lot of change. It'll be interesting to see in five years' time when we look back at this, and hopefully we will be looking back on it, <laughs> um, and it will be hopefully behind us. I want to share this because this, this actually is going to give me goosebumps. So Amy and I, my girlfriend and I, are reading a book called Becoming Supernatural. I, I know the one, yeah. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah, he's awesome. And I literally just finished it up last night. And the last chapter is his prediction of the future, which he wrote the book in 2017. Wow. What he wrote in the last chapter literally described 2020. Oh my God, really? How the, how the universe is going through a shift. Yeah. And those that are ready for it here in the mind are going are gonna to accelerate. Those that are not are going to be left behind. Yeah. And I, again, I'm getting, reading it. I was like, holy cow. He literally just predicted this year, and and this is exactly what's happening right now. Wow! And that was 2017. Yeah, because I've listened to a lot of his um, things, but I haven't read his book yet. So that's it's on my list. Definitely going to uh, go and grab that. But that's, that's what it, the point the point of his book was. You know, this is kind of maybe getting off subject here, but we all have electromagnetic fields around us, right? Yep. You're either emitting positive or negative energy. Yep. If enough human beings on this planet emitted positive energy, it would literally shift the magnetic and magnetic energy of this planet. That's his, that's his philosophy. That's his because philosophy. they go back in history and they can literally tie moments in history with the electromagnetic pulse of the, of the, of the planet wow. with big events in the, that have happened around the world. World War II, uh, World War I, World War II, all these big shifts there was a shift in the electromagnetic field of the entire planet going on at the same time. And that's what's happened here in 2020. Oh, that'd be interesting to read. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of woo woo scientific, but it is, it is absolutely fascinating because it's all about how to train your mind. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole science, science and, you know, the spiritual realm or whatever you want to call it, not so much a religious, but the spiritual realm are definitely starting to, um, uh, meet in places when you start looking at quantum physics. That's, the, that's yep. definitely a discussion for another day. But <laughs> <laughs> we, we could we could talk quantum physics all day long if we wanted to. Yeah, I, I love that stuff really really interests me. But um, here's can I can I make a point, Lisa? That, yeah. I'm glad you actually brought that up because uh, I just was thinking about this the other day because the books becoming supernatural talks it's all about quantum physics, right? Yeah. And if those who don't understand that, that's literally like. You don't exist. Like you can create anything you want. This is literally like you're playing your movie out every day, yeah. right? <laughs> Matrix of socks. <laughs> and it's interesting because when I look back at my baseball career, I don't know if you ever saw yourself doing this with running. I can remember moments as a high school kid, as a college kid, where I would literally just daydream about like the next game and yeah. literally how the game, why I wanted the game to play out in my head. And it's exactly what happened. Yep. That's the quantum physics they're talking about is literally if you want a certain result, 
having the ability to daydream, visualize, whatever you want to call it, about exactly how you want it to play out, it technically already exists. Now you just need to step into it and become that person that gets that result. But so often, whether it's sports or in business, we want this result, but our mind is completely misaligned. If I want the positive result, yet my mind's filled with anxiety, fear, stress, self-doubt, you're never going to get the positive result. And do you think like it's really important then to take time out of the chaos sometimes to just sit and reflect where the heck you are when things go wrong? Yes. Something that, you know, I struggle with because my, my athlete brain slash business brain goes, if, if things aren't working, work harder. You know, where you talked about that before. And in this state that I'm, you know, the experiences I've had in the last couple of months, which have been pretty freaking hard out, to be honest. Um, I'm going, hang on, I need to step back to step forward. And for the first time, I'm looking like, uh, I don't need to work harder here. I need to take an actual uh, little bit of a pause, which doesn't come naturally to an athlete because an athlete's like, but I've got to train harder and go harder and go harder. And and as an athlete, I've had to learn that along the way through, that rest is actually where you get the gain and not, the training, the training actually breaks the muscle down or does whatever it's doing and the response of the body is where you get the recovery and the strength. Um, I'm, I'm starting to think that that might be a good approach in the, in the business. Oh. Take a breath, you know. Whether it, was, whether it was ultra endurance running or Ironman training. Yeah. The one biggest mistake I could, I could make, I don't know if it was the same with you, is skipping the off day, skipping the rest day. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to work out today anyways, right? No, yeah. there's a purpose. You're supposed to rest. Yeah. And, you know, in this moment in time from since March, when this went, when this all hit, if you didn't use that time to pause and reflect how you want your future to look, you completely missed the point. Yeah. And I, you know, I did miss the point probably at the beginning because it was yeah. this right pivot, go harder, go, go yeah. harder, which we just talked about. So it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a game between trying to, you know, take a breath, take some time out to, to reflect, to, to study what the hell is going on in your world and why this yep. has happened to you or where you're meant to be. And yep. I sometimes covered up that reflection time with busyness and activity and go harder because that's what I know as an athlete, you know. Yep. When things go to shape, you go even harder. Exactly. That, but that's that athlete brain we have, right? Yeah. Well, I can just outwork any struggle. Yeah, and sometimes I think, so some of the lessons that we learn as athletes need to be undone. Some of them are really helpful. Others, maybe not so much. (laughs) Well, and that's just it. You know, it's funny you bring that up because in the business world, people love hiring athletes, right? Because of discipline, they've got the accountability. But also there's a lot of negative mindsets that can come with being an athlete. Like you said, one comparison. I know that's something I see a lot with athletes. Number two, the, the never being happy. You know, you set these goals, you hit the goal, but then it's not good enough. You're on to the next one. Hit that goal. You're on to the next one. And you ever, you never actually feel fulfilled or happy. You need to pause and look back and celebrate the victories. That is so true. I had a, 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 a friend, I was in a race, I was in the Himalayas. 200 <laughs> just a common race in the Himalayas. Yeah, 222K race at extreme altitude in the Himalayas. I'd spent a year and a half training for it. Everything had gone wrong. I'd still made the finish line. Incredible crew. Get to the end of it. And in the, uh, my friend goes to me, oh, my God, you're just amazing. Like, just absolutely insane that you did that. And I'm like, no, but so-and-so was faster, and there's a bigger, longer race, and there's, you know, there's another mountain to climb over there. 
and someone's better than me. And and he just like grabbed me and shook me literally and just went, thank <laughs> Can't you just celebrate the win right now where you are and experience that and and get that reward, you know, before you jump off to the next mission. Like you haven't even gotten out of a car from coming home from the race and you're already in the next one. You know, yeah. and that was a bit of a wake up call. And when I, I've been studying functional genomics, so the study of DNA, and it's really funny. And I and I and I think this is for a lot of athletes that sit on the ectomorph side of the um, uh, body shape. Um, that there's a gene called the DRD2 gene, and it's to do with dopamine and how much reward you get. And when I did my genes, it came back that I had the lowest number of dopamine receptors. Now, what that means is I don't get a hit. So I'm constantly mm. searching for the hit or I only get a small hit of, mm. of reward, of satisfaction. So somebody like my mum, she can go to the gym with me and do a little workout and she's satisfied for the day. She's like, wow, I'm good. I did my training. Me, I'm like, I didn't go hard enough. I didn't do enough. I need to go and do another session. That, then that's the, uh, when I when I saw that in, in her and me, like the difference in satisfaction and, and then pairing that with the understanding of what dopamine does in the brain and understanding that I don't have enough dopamine receptors in my brain and therefore as soon as I achieve something, I'm off to the next thing. <laughs> you know, you just, you just actually gave me a thought. Um, like here in the States. So two names that come up a lot is the greatest ever in sports. You've got basketball, Michael Jordan. Yeah. You've got in college football, uh, Nick Saban, the head coach of uh, the University of Alabama. I mean, they're two, two of the best ever, right? Yep. And in America, I think it's so funny. They're revered because after Nick Saban wins a national title, the next day he's off to recruit. Yep. When Michael Jordan wins the NBA title, the next day he's back in the weight room. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah. But does that actually make them happy? Yeah, no. Are they actually fulfilled because they didn't take any time to celebrate the accomplishment? No, and I, and I think that this is a very common, and if you looked at their genes, I bet we'd see a, dope, a, a lack of dopamine. That's in a, yeah, I didn't know that. That's a really yeah. interesting study. I'll tell you a little about that another day and another time. But um, when, you, when you start to study genetics and you start to understand the power of different neurotransmitters on the brain and the power of different hormones and the ones that are dominant in your body specifically and how that then affects the way you behave. And yep. so now I'm aware of that. Like I know that I would have, a, I have an addictive personality. Whatever I do, I'm going to do it really hard out. So I need to make sure that I don't go down the role of, uh, you know, alcohol or drugs. And I never have, uh, you know, touch wood and never will because I know that I have a tendency to, if I start, I won't probably stop. You know, I'm the one that if I eat one chip, the whole packet's gone, you know. <laughs> so when you know that about yourself, then you're like more cautious of where you go. In the, in the work world and in the sport world, that was rewarded. Yep. So we did just a whole lot more. Uh, and I think that that ability to be able to um, sit and enjoy what you actually achieve uh, is something that I'm certainly having to learn and trying to learn that. Um, and I, you know, I, I have my brothers every week are like, can't you just like relax <laughs> you know, like for take a day and sit at the beach? And I'm like, uh, never. 
never in my life would I sit down all day and do nothing. It just doesn't. Uh, and that is uh, not necessarily a strength. It has its strength moments, but it can be a weakness as well. Well, and to you to keep the sports uh, comparison going, think about some of the professional sports like here in the States. I guarantee, Lisa, if you were to sit down and ask pro athletes in basketball, football, baseball, hockey, whatever, how many of them are truly in love with the sport they play? I bet you'd be shocked by how many are not. Yeah, but being honest. they're making generational wealth playing that sport. Yeah. So though it brings no fulfillment, no happiness, they're doing it because they're really good at it and it makes them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so I've t- I can't tell you how many at former pro athletes I've talked to, especially in the sports where they can still play like a running or golf or something like that, where when they were in it, making money doing it as a professional, it, the, the fun got away, got, there was no longer fun in what they were doing. Now, because they're doing it for fun and enjoying it, they love the sport so much more. Wow. That is so true. And that is, yeah. And, and that just comes down because the whole motivation is shifted when you become yep. a professional at anything. And, you know, even in the ultra marathon running, you know, you got, I got to a point where I'm like, shit, I've just got to, I've got to keep going in order to make money to keep the, the, the thing. And yep. it, when it comes that, that was the time to step away, which I've now done. And that opens up doors for other opportunities, you know, um, and that's, that's a really hard thing to do. Hey, Andy, we've, uh, we've gone all over the place in this interview. <laughs> We're just talking all things sports and mindset I right now. <laughs> so, Andy, you have got um, – where can people find out about you, your program yeah, yeah. you have developed and what you're doing in the business world and, and so on now? Yeah, I'll probably, uh, you'll probably put my name in the show notes, so I don't need to spell it, but they can go to my website, andyneary.com. Yep. Um, if anybody is on LinkedIn, I'm, uh, I'm all over LinkedIn with my content. Uh-huh. And I uh, also have a really cool, uh, if I'm okay sharing this, a really cool text community. I call it my text tribe that I share content with every week around positive mindset, uh-huh. daily habits, time management, and all they've got to do. Uh, again, I don't know how texts work don't worldwide here. Internationally, but yeah. Yeah. Um, is this text the word mindset into an American number, 414-622-1462? I don't know if that, again, works over in New Zealand. but um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, no, that's it. Go to my website. Um, check me out on LinkedIn. Let's connect. I love having conversations. It's about humans connecting with humans, right? Exactly. And, and two coaches, different ends of the world, different sports, different uh, backgrounds, same messages. Really interesting. That's what it's about. <laughs> I love it, Andy. Hey, look, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I really appreciate you. And um, I think people would have got a lot of out of our conversation. Are there any last little uh, snippets of wisdom that you'd like to, to part with? Yeah, I'll just leave by saying this, Lisa. Right now in this moment in history, you, have, you literally come down to two choices. You can look at it as the worst time of your life or the best. And the best is... I get a chance right now to pause as we talked about and rewrite the rest of your future. Amen. That's what this is. This is that, that's an epic way to end the conversation. Thank you very much, Andy. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 